HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca, home of New York's craft cider. I love New York. Plan your getaway at visitithaca.com. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. Welcome to Pizza Talk. I'm Peter Reinhardt, and today I am talking to snowy, or about to be snowy, Rochester, New York, with Luis Perez. Uh, Luis is the a founder, the proprietor of Peels on Wheels, a, uh, a new uh, pop-up mobile unit that we just heard about that's getting a lot of buzz on Instagram and we're loving the photos we're seeing. And this is my first chance to really talk to Luis and find out the whole story behind Peels on Wheels. But I know right off the start, I've got to ask you about that that fabulous little little truck you've got behind you. Is that one of those, those uh, Peugeot Ape uh, yeah. three wheelers? Is that what that is? It's called the Piaggio Ape. Um, it's Piaggio Ape. Yeah, so the same company that makes Vespas. Uh, so it's essentially a three-wheeled motorcycle um, with a truck body on it. So uh, I fell in love with these vehicles when I was in Italy on my honeymoon. Little did I know, a couple years later, I'd be owning one and importing one from Naples, Italy myself. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty surreal to have one of these little things here in the U.S. Are there many of these in the United States right now? So... On the East Coast, there's actually a business called Silverside Design, and it's in South Carolina they're based out of, and they customize uh, antique vehicles, and they actually just recently, within the past couple of years, um, started importing Piaggio Apes, and people are utilizing these to turn them into mobile bars or mobile food trucks, things like that. So, I didn't purchase mine from the gentleman in, in South Carolina. I actually purchased mine from a gentleman all the way out in Fresno, California. Wow. Yeah. Do you have to drive it back? Yeah. So, so how it all happened was um, initially this was not my original plan. My original plan was to get one of those workforce, your quintessential work truck, you know, box trucks for food trucks. Yeah. Like a catering truck. Yeah. 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 And I came across this on social media and it was like a light bulb moment, aha moment where I'm like, I got to bring this to the U S so it, 
quickly began figuring out how to get these here to the U.S. And at first, I wasn't finding any information regarding it on how to get them here. I was finding that they were illegal. So I contacted this gentleman who was out in Fresno, California, who imports them. So it was via social media that I found them on Instagram. And I call, or sent them a few messages. And I'm like, hey, super interested in getting one of these. What's the maintenance like? How much does it cost? Here's my name. Here's my number. He answered a couple questions, but then didn't really answer the bulk of them. So I found his website, got on his website. I'm like, hey, here's my name. Here's my number. Please give me a call. I'm super interested in purchasing one of these. And <laughs> not even five minutes later, Peter, yes. this guy calls me. And he goes, are you from Rochester, New York? And I'm <laughs> like, yeah. He's yeah. like, never in 100 years did I think that someone from my hometown, mind you, this guy's all the way out in California. Someone from my hometown would call me to purchase one of these. And that was one of the moments where I'm like, all right, this is, I'm on the right path. This is just absolutely more perfect. Couldn't be more perfect of a situation for me. Right. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I purchased it and I actually went on an East coast to West coast road trip to pick it up. It was pretty wild. Went it through stars aligned for you. And, uh, and, uh, it seems like, uh, the, the, the signs were good. The signs, yeah, uh, all the signs, were, the stars aligned for me. And, uh, yeah, it was a perfect situation. And we did, uh, it was a 21 or 22 day road trip, East coast to West coast. And uh, we went across 26 states. Um, at the time I had pitched to the company that manufactures these ovens. I pitched an idea. I'm like, Hey, I'm going on this epic road trip. I'm going to stop in some of the most scenic places across the U S I'm going to pack one of these and make pizzas and different things along the way. Company loved it. And that's where like my, my relationship really came to fruition with Gosney and eventually turning into a brand ambassador for them. So, but yeah, um, it's, it's for, been, for Yosney, Yosney's the oven manufacturer. Yeah. So, so Gosney's the company, um, they're located in the United Kingdom right. and they are, I think at first they were doing just wood burning ovens, you know, stone core, uh, wood burning ovens. They had some combo ovens where there was, you know, gas and wood. And eventually they created this, uh, I want to say back in 2016 or 15, but it really didn't hit the mark. I mean, it, it hit the market back then, but it didn't really get traction until like 2017 or so. Uh -huh. um, and then the U.S. market just kind of took off like late last year, actually early last year, give or take, um, in 2019 or late 2018. And I uh, actually got mine uh, back in April of 2019. So I, I, one turned into two, two turned into four. And well, then all it looks like almost like a rock box oven, is it? And it's not yeah. So these little ones are the Gosney Rockbox ovens. Um, oh, they'll reach up to, to 932 degrees, uh, cooks a Neapolitan pizza in about 90 seconds or less. And um, yeah, we use the four. We, have, we use this to make Neapolitan-style pizza as well as Detroit-style pizza. Well, first, while you, I'm going to backtrack you. You were, you were kind of driving across the country. You got, you, you got an oven before you even took off from Fresno, and you set up the 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 uh the ape with the oven so that you could make pizzas along the way so so i i took the oven and i pretty much i stopped at sedona arizona just rented a house there made some pizzas kind of climbed to the top of cathedral rock with a pizza uh -huh. in my hand just to take pictures at the top of that, cool. that like, uh, totally doing the uh, the instagram thing there yeah. yeah exactly people when i was climbing up that hill people were like is this guy nuts is that a pizza in your hand I'm like yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so we went there, then we went to uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, Yellowstone National Park, camped at both those parks, then Yosemite National Park, 
picked up the ape and then hauled the ape back. So it was really just showcasing, being able to show how, how versatile this oven can be, how portable it is, you can use it for camping, things like that. So, wait a minute, so you didn't even have it mounted in the truck. You were carrying the oven with you up and, and into the Yeah, so, so the road trip was really to pick up the ape. Yeah. So the ape was just bare bones that the gentleman picked it up. Actually, it came to port, I want to say mid to end of August. And uh -huh. our, our, our plans were for me to pick it up first week of September. Um, and when I got out there, uh, he actually is in the military and he was getting uh, deported. So he's like, can you come any, a little sooner? So he asked us to come a couple days sooner. So we had to cut our time short at Yosemite National Park. But yeah, so the, the entire way out there was just stopping and, and just hanging out, enjoying the, the different parks yeah. and things like that. You got to do the Sea America tour. Yeah, yeah. And then pick up the truck to bring it back to the U.S. to be able to customize it. Well, while you were out there, both heading out and on your way back, did you did you make any sort of quote pizza pilgrimage stops as you uh, at, at places that you were on your radar? I really, really wanted to, but unfortunately, the only place that I went to and I had been there prior was uh, Tony Gemiani's uh, Pizza Rock in uh, Las Vegas. Uh -huh. That's the only place, but I was making pizzas myself, and I was content with that. So yeah, so you weren't on a pizza hunt at that point. You were just. You were you you had your own. Your own yeah, time. I wish I wish I had the time to be able to stop at a whole bunch of different places. Trust me, I have a whole list of places that I want to stop at here in the U.S., but I wasn't able to because I was kind of on a time crunch. But you can do that. You'll do that. People will be eventually coming to you as part of their peak. And the reason I asked was because you know we recently talked to uh, to Tom Elliott, uh, who's, who and his brother wrote this book, who you probably are familiar with, uh, where they they also have an ape uh, and they kind of built their whole operation around that, but they call themselves the Pizza Pilgrims. And yeah. it all started with them going throughout Europe, you know, checking out places. And I believe they're, they're in the UK too, right? They are. They're in London. And I believe they started with these also. Is that, so yeah, a lot of some similarities. It's an interesting yeah. story. That's what I'm thinking. Are we on the, on the cusp of a trend here? And are we yeah. going to see more of these? I, I think these are becoming far more popular here or gaining traction in the U.S., um, the only thing that makes it difficult is because technically it's not a legal vehicle to have here in the U.S. because the company, Piaggio, didn't want to pay for the emissions testing for the car to be street legal. So because of that, the only way around it is a little loophole of it being imported as an antique or a classic. So uh, it has to be 25 years or older. So mine's a 1980 Piaggio Ape. It's got about 9,000 kilometers on it. Still runs, still goes through all the gears and all that. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little loophole a way around it. That's pretty cool. But so that there is a loophole, there's a way that people could do it if they get an older model. And yeah. but okay, so now you know we we know you went out there, you got it. But how did you get so into the idea of doing it? Uh, where did your your pizza journey sort of begin? So I've been in the restaurant and hospitality industry for about 15 years in total, and in some way, shape, or form, there's been pizza along the way of the jobs that I've held. Or were you like 10 years old when you started? You <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone says. I was actually 14. 14 yeah, yeah. years old. I started washing dishes in a party complex, and they were willing enough to, to break the rules or break the laws at the time and allow this kid to become a short order cook, eventually a pizza maker in their, uh, their tavern. And, uh, yeah, I started making pizzas at the age of 14. Now, making pizzas at that age, obviously, with a deck oven, you know, yeah. not safe, but – I was willing to, to take the chance. My parents were okay with it. They knew that food was something that I was going to dedicate my life to. So they were cool with it. 
Um, but yeah, from there, uh, it just transitioned into working in some local mom and pop pizza shops. And then uh, through my career, you know, I've worked in different facets in the hospitality industry. And I went to Wegmans grocery chain here on the East Coast. It's a popular one. And I was a prepared foods manager for them for about two or three years running pizza yep. shops for, for Wegmans. For Wegmans markets? Yeah, yeah. So I worked for Wegmans for a couple years after the pizzerias, but I was in the pizza scene and a pizzeria for local mom and pop shops for at least a solid seven to eight years. And then I kind of stepped away from it, but I was still in the pizza industry, but more of retail. Um, and I was in that for a couple of years. And then I most recently actually ended up leaving, but I was uh, on a college campus running a dining hall. And uh, they also had a, a pizza program there. So it was still a little bit part of it. And during all this time, I've always made pizza at home for friends and family. And um, when I purchased one of these just for to have at home to kind of step up my pizza making game at home, Little did I know that six weeks later after my purchase of this, Peels on Wheels would be born. Well, uh, so even though you were into the sort of general food service, yeah. pizza was always sort of the, the thing, the, the light that was it's drawing so you. Because like thinking back to it, you know, I didn't realize that every job that I've held had pizza in it some way, shape or form. You know, whether I was working at the actual pizzerias, that's where all we did. Then I worked in a couple other places, you know, being the college campus, still had a pizza program there. Wegmans had a pizza program there. So, and also I did it at home. So it's just something that kind of came to fruition that I'm super passionate about pizza subconsciously. And uh, eventually, yeah, it was uh, one of those things where my most recent job, I found myself with a ton of time on my hands. So I'm like, you know, I purchased this oven, came aware of like this uh, pop-up pizza community. I thought to myself with having a little bit more time on my hands, having a Monday through Friday job, and now that I have this more time, I can do this pop-up pizza thing on the weekends on the side. Quickly learn that it's not just a side business, then it's eventually turned into my full-time gig. Right. Well, that's often what happens is before you realize it, you're pulled all the way in and uh, you can't get out. Yeah, <laughs> no exactly. I always thought it, but it's, it's my baby for sure. But, well, you're in New York, upstate New York. Uh, you're not far from Buffalo. Buffalo has its own style of pizza. I don't know if yeah. Rochester has a style that's its own or similar to a hybrid of Buffalo or New York style or what, yeah. but that's not what you're doing now. You're doing Neapolitan. So what about, how did you kind of switch over to a, and you're not just doing Neapolitan. I think you're also, I'm seeing on Instagram, you're doing uh, uh, Detroit style. You're doing uh, Pizza Italia. They're doing all sorts of other things, but I think Neapolitan seemed to be the thing that, uh, that kind of got you in the, in the business side. Yeah, so, so I didn't know what Neapolitan-style pizza really was until I purchased one of these ovens, and I was watching a lot of their, their content that they produce on their website, and I kept seeing more often like different Neapolitan-style recipes and different fermentation practices and things like that. So I got kind of sucked in in that way, um, and it's Neapolitan-style is the best style pizza out of these where you can crank out a high volume of pizzas out. Right, because they cook so fast, yeah. Yeah, so you can do New York style, you can do Detroit, but those take a little bit more time. Um, so I can only do a smaller quantity of those styles of pizza versus the Neapolitan, which is our, our flagship style pizza. Um, but I've just continued to educate myself on different styles of pizza. Yes, I have, you know, about 15 years of restaurant experience, but I'm just scratching the surface on pizza. I really am. And now it's become more of an obsession and trying to continue to learn and apply different techniques and processes throughout the entire thing and applying them to different styles of pizza so it's fun really yeah. is a thing more than anything so you really you're just sort of at the beginning of you know your your own uh i wouldn't say culinary journey because you've been on that for a while but 
you know, the business side of your journey. Now you're, who knows where it's all going to lead. Uh, but what's so cool is, is that number one, the, the truck is unique and it's spectacular to look at. It looks like a, like a spacecraft about ready to take off. Uh, and, uh, and, and also I'm curious, where are you right now? It looks like you're inside like a commissary or something. No, no. So this is actually, uh, my garage at my parents' house. So oh, a garage. All right. Have, <laughs> the pizza garage. I see the big pizza sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they have a two car garage and, um, I obviously cause of the weather, I needed something kind of indoors, but still have uh, able to be able to open up some ventilation, be in the garage door a little bit. Um, Cause we are burning propane and obviously that can be hazardous if you don't have a well ventilated area. Please um, keep the door open. Um, yeah, if you see me start to fall asleep, then call 911. <laughs> got it. We're on it. Uh, I see you've got some uh, cold tables there too. So do you pack those up and take them with you when you, when you hit the road? Yeah, so I have a 10-foot table, two 5-foot tables, and these are actually like fully, uh, uh, you can adjust the height anywhere from 36 inches all the way up to, I believe, 48 inches. So it can adjust pretty significantly up and down. Yeah. The main reason why I wanted these high tables is because of your back. And I found myself working on these little, you know, 6-foot tables hunched over for right. 6 to 7 hours on concrete, gravel, and found out, you know, a couple hours in, your back starts to hurt. And by the end of the weekend, you're on your couch. Yeah. Like, oh, man, not too young to have any sort of back problems. Okay. So. It's not sustainable. To, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I back. These tables are actually a, a wooden countertop that has these uh, uh, collapsible legs. And um, they hold up to a tremendous amount of weight because they're made of anodized aluminum. And um, so we have these tables set up. We obviously have a tent that's set up also. And the vehicle's on the back side just like this. So the only thing we're missing right now is the tent, essentially. But this is what your setup would look like. And we'll show you here in a little bit what that looks like a little up close. Yeah, we're going to look at in segment two. You're going to show us that and actually make a pizza for us, I think, right? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some dough here and make some pizzas. And, and, uh, and I want to see sort of the whole thing, you know, how it actually plays out. But, yeah. but one question that came to mind as you were talking about is, did you design all this and figure this all out? Or are there models? that you followed in, uh, in templates, say to, say, so to speak, in Europe or somewhere that are, where they're doing what you're doing? Yeah, so I definitely did not come up with this model myself. This is actually something that's been a trend in the United Kingdom for many years. Um, it's just starting to gain traction in the U.S. within the last couple of years since, you know, the release of the Rockbox in North America. Yeah. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Adam from Peddling Pizzas. Uh, he's sponsored by Gosney. And pretty much he has this Piaggio Ape. He actually has the, the largest truck, I believe, and it's a diesel, what his is. And he has two Rockbox ovens on there. And he has the same setup. Um, I think he's got one less table. He has uh, two five-foot tables. But me, I have this nice 10-foot with two five-foot because I like a lot more space. I have a few people working with me, so I needed a little bit more space. Um, so it's, it's a nice little workspace. I've got uh, a quartz countertop custom quartz countertops that I made myself and everything I've started to add things but I started to learn about different people set up and see different things and pick and choose what I think would work well and kind of create my own using from a bunch of different people over in Europe so I've had some guidance uh, as far as the truck goes I completely customized this with my father-in-law wow. um, we, we tore apart the engine we rebuilt it we cleaned it out um, we built the box on the back from uh, our own materials that we sourced and figured out we wanted to mount four ovens. We did the paint job. So all in all, it's been a whole collective effort from friends and family. 
Well, it's incredible. And you've got four ovens fired up behind you. Yeah. Uh, that means that you can make essentially four pizzas at a time, or is each oven yeah. good for one pizza? We usually do four pizzas at a time. Uh, we try to stagger them just because if you did all four of them right in at one time, there's no way one guy can maneuver four pizzas. Yeah, you can't manage that, yeah. With uh, Neapolitan style, obviously high temp baking. Um, if you're in there five seconds too long on one side, you're going to have a nice charred side. Um, so, yeah, we try to stagger them, you know, every 15 seconds or so. And yeah. then from there, we're able to work down the line and get pizzas out. So what we do is we fire four, you know, 15-second staggers in between. Once the ovens are emptied out, we let the, uh, the deck get up to temp, and then we fire four more staggered across. All right. Well, we're going to come back in the next segment and actually, you know, fire some things up. Uh, and, and I'll ask you some more questions when we come back about your dough and some of your choices yeah. about ingredients and things like that. We want to hear a little bit more about now the, the evolving philosophy that you're developing as a pizzaiolo and a, you know, and a businessman uh, as you establish your own brand out there. We'll be right back with more Pizza Quest right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca, helping you to plan your next getaway. Ithaca has waterfalls and wineries, art and theater, outdoor recreation, and family fun. The area is famous for its glacier-carved gorges, co-op-run businesses, and cultural influences from Cornell University and Ithaca College. Plus, you can't beat the beauty of Cayuga Lake, the largest of the Finger Lakes. Beyond 150 waterfalls and some of the region's best hiking trails, Ithaca is cider. The area is well known for its local cideries, which are leading the way in America's cider revival. You can hear from the region's cider makers directly on HRN series Hardcore. There's something really special about Ithaca's climate for cultivating delicious apples steeped in history and terroir. Let Visit Ithaca help you plan your next trip to this hub of food, drink, culture, and agritourism. Home of New York's craft cider, I love New York. Get started at visitithaca.com. Uh, we're back with Luis Perez and uh, in Rochester, Peels on Wheels, and we are looking at a front shot of of this Ape Piaggio. Uh, what would you call it? It's a scooter. A scooter truck. Yeah. Oh, what they call it? With, it's, with, a, uh, it's a three-wheeled motorcycle. <laughs> unbelievable. And with, a, yeah. with four ovens attached to the back. And so the Luis, take us take us through a little tour of this. Yeah. So it's it's like I said, a three-wheeled motorcycle. And if you look inside the cabin, it has handlebars like a little motorcycle, a little bench seat in there. And then uh, we fitted four Rockbox ovens on the back there, powered by propane. We've got our one propane with a hard line of gas that connects all four of them. We've got a little hand wash sink in there, you know, gray water, fresh water reservoirs. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, three wheels, two in the back, one up front. And then this is our setup here with... Uh, little cooling screen, some uh, stuff to garnish pies with, and then we've got our ingredients there. We use uh, Bianco de Napoli tomatoes, uh, Caputo flour, the semolina to stretch. Got some 70% some hydration dough there, and then we've got our stretching top, countertop there, and uh, this is actually quartz. They tried talking me out of using quartz because it's so heavy, and I wish I listened, but the stubborn guy I am, I wanted the quartz. So, and then this yeah. is where we hold all of our ingredients. 
make my own fresh mozzarella and uh yeah ready to rock and roll on some pizzas here shortly so you're really getting hands-on you're you're pulling your own cheese there and uh uh, how long does it take for these ovens to, to heat up and be ready to, to fire up pieces? So I'm going to switch this here. Um, so it takes about, give or take, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes to get to that sweet spot of like 750. Um, oh. I like to cook my pies at about 8, 850. And uh, you can crank it up to, to, to high because um, there's a, a gas gauge on the back side of it where you could have low flame, high flame. So what I do is I leave them on low, let them get to uh, right around 7, 7.50 or so. And then when I'm ready to toss pies in there, I crank it up high. And then that'll get that surface temp to about 8, 8.50 or so. And uh, whenever we don't have pizzas in there, I just drop it down to low because they will get up that deck in there. The stone will get up to about 1,000 degrees if you leave it on high. But I would say somewhere around 40, 45 minutes or so to get up to top. That's not bad, really, when you think how long it takes to fire up a wood fire. You know, big thick. Yeah. Uh, and this that, is, I mean, you this could is no a, longer than a than a home oven with the piece with the steel in it. You know. Yeah. So this this actually it has a, about an inch thick stone in there, and uh, to get it fully saturated with heat, I found you have better results if you start it out low versus cranking it up high. Um, because when you crank it up to high, a lot of that heat's just pumping out the front, and it's just heating the surface of the stone. So you're not going to be able to quickly get a, a nice turnaround. You know, within a few minutes of being able to toss one pie in, let it relax for, you know, 45 seconds to a minute, and then toss yeah. another one in. I find that the stone drops down a tremendous amount when you don't allow that stone to get really saturated with heat. Well, um, that's basically, you could pull up to a site, fire, start firing up your ovens, and then while you're setting up, by the time you're completely set up, you're ready to start cranking out pizzas. I, I wish it was that easy, but our setup actually takes a few hours to do. Um, that's one of the unfortunate things about this is because I've got so much stuff that I have to log on and off of a truck, not a truck, but I have one of those Ram Pro Masters. So oh, we yeah. pull this on a trailer from destination to destination, and then we unload it from the trailer, get it where we want it, set this up, and then from there we set up our tent, then our tables, linens, ingredients, all that stuff, and then the decorative pieces. So uh, we have like an order taking table that we also set up, so all in all, um, with the ovens heating up and everything, you're talking anywhere from like two and a half hours to three hours. So say we have an event at four o'clock start time, we're there by 12.30, one o'clock to make sure that we're good to go and we're able to fire up our orders or pre-orders that we take. Well, this is really like pizza as theater. I mean, you, it's a performance art that you're doing and you're pulling up. And so it takes a few hours to get the stage ready and to get the, everything lined up. And, uh, and then, you know, you can't really pull the trigger until all the pieces are in place. It sounds like yeah. you learned a lot. And, and it was, was, what was the learning curve like in, uh, you know, in kind of getting to this point where you've got it dialed in? So this entire process, no matter what, I've done, you know, back-to-back -back Friday, Saturday, Sunday, pretty much the entire sum, summer through the fall and into the winter. And every single event, I was learning something new. Um, and that's really the biggest thing for me in my first year as a business owner is that there's constantly challenges that you face over and over and over and and really, it's just a game of learning the entire time. And, yeah. and as you get into it, you get better at problem solving and things like that. And uh, but I'd say that's probably the most challenging thing is like you can't go into any sort of day expecting it to go one way um, because it never does go the way where you hope it to go in a perfect world. Um, there's always something that comes up. So it's, the, it's really a, it is a never ending learning curve, of course. 
And uh, but it sounds like you've come a long way. I mean, from uh, what, what were some of like the big, the big learning lessons that you had during those first? So, so for me, um, I, I think the biggest challenge I had throughout this entire thing was when we had a pin break. Um, this pin was very important to the vehicle being able to run. This pin came in and out of the engine and it connected to the clutch line. Oh. So in order to, to start the vehicle, the vehicle has to be in neutral. I couldn't switch the gears into neutral, so this vehicle was not running at all. And this pen, I had to figure out how to get this pen imported from Europe to the U.S. during a pandemic. And obviously Italy was shut down at the time, so we had to figure out a way. And we eventually um, were able to, to get that part sent to us from Europe, but we had to have it sent from Europe to Canada, from Canada to where I am here in New York. So... Figuring out all the logistics of that was very challenging. And surely enough, trying to find a, a part number for uh, yeah. a 1980 antique vehicle that's foreign in the U.S., it was incredible, incredibly difficult. Uh, you just got to do everything you can to, to, to make it happen. And that was probably one of the biggest challenges we faced. And then when we got the part, the part was about a quarter inch too long because we had the wrong part number. So oh, it was a nice. part number for uh, a newer model. So they uh, shrunk the, the pin down. So luckily enough, my mother-in-law works for a gear company called Gleason Works here in Rochester. And they were able to cut the pin down and rethread it for me to be able to use it without having to go through the runaround of trying to get it from Europe again. How long did it take from start to finish to get that pin? Oh, that was probably a four-week time frame from the wow. time that it was ordered to the time that it arrived. And then... Uh, by the time we had it cut and put it back into the uh, vehicle. So four weeks from the time it was ordered to getting cut and then into the vehicle. Well, you know, I've heard it said that having a, a business is only 10% about the product and 90% about solving problems. And, oh, 100%. And that's 100%. It. I, I, it's crazy because just when I think things are going great, there's always something that comes up where I'm like, I wish this wasn't the case right now, but you just got to bite your teeth down and, and, and push through it and, have, you know, face adversity and get through it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had things where my cooler went down and I had to figure out how to get my stuff to another restaurant and utilize their cooler space. And the list goes on and on for different yeah. challenges you have and to face. But like you said, it's just being able to problem solve and think on your feet. And, and honestly, I'm a young guy and I've got so much to learn about, you know, running a business itself and the biggest thing out of it. And I wish everything could go as perfectly, but that's just, not going to happen. Now I'm just well aware that there's always going to be something that I have to sort out or problem solve. Before I forget to ask you this, I think people who are watching, some of the folks might be thinking, they may be in the same boat where they're thinking about maybe getting into a mobile operation or you know some, something along this line. And if they if if they have questions, can are you open to having them write to you and sort of uh, ask oh, for yeah. you? I, I, I highly encourage it. I've always, you know, I, I get a lot of messages on social media as of late, and, and the, I've noticed that the, the more of a following I've gathered or gotten, I start to get a lot more messages about, how did you get that truck? You know, what do you think about this oven versus that oven? And I'll get my, you know, honest opinion and, and nav help them navigate and figure out, you know, what the first steps was for me in this process yeah, and yeah. what it might be for them. Um, obviously it varies from state to state and obviously I'm a little bit more and not only state to state, but county to county um, and, and helping people navigate through all of that and provide as much guidance as I can. Um, but yeah, I'm all for it. You know, for me, so is, I wouldn't uh, even is Instagram, on, I apologize. Is Instagram, 
is Instagram the best way for them to reach you or is there an email that they can write you at? I have an email. Um, it's contact at peelsonwheelspizza.com. Um, social media has been a big piece for me, Instagram and Facebook. But any of those platforms or reaching out to me directly via my email is totally fine. Okay, so it's info. It's, did you say it was info? What, what it's was contact. Contact at, at peelsonwheels.com. Pizza. Oh, peelsonwheelspizza.com. I'll put that in the narrative when we when we uh, post this. But uh, it's good to. I think I think you're going to start getting you know some messages, more messages. I think one morning you're going to wake up and you're going to be driving to a job and you're going to see like six or eight other of these <laughs> on the road. You're going to oh my I'm god, I'm going to meet them out there. The biggest thing that I learned since I joined the the pizza community is that it's so welcoming. You know, all these different people that I've met from all over the world, essentially virtually and built up these relationships and connected with all these different people. And to me, that's yeah. like the most important thing through all of this, like the social media, things like that is building those relationships with those people to bounce ideas off of and, and get feedback and guidance and things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I am as much part as that. And I want to be able to make my impact on the industry some way, somehow, whether it's educational, whether it's helping someone start up their own mobile pizzeria or teaching them, you know, how to make dough or anything along the lines of that. So for me, it's, it's all in all, it's just a, a, a very welcoming community and I couldn't be happier to be a part of it. It's true. It's a very generous community. Uh, uh, it's not secretive. There's uh, people, people are willing to share. We know that it's hard work. Everyone knows it's hard work. Everyone has their tricks and their, and their techniques, but they know that's not what drives it. It's, it's, it's the passion and the commitment to, hang in there when, when the going gets tough and uh, you, you either learn it the hard way or you go into it knowing that that's what you're facing. I think a lot of people, if they knew what they were facing, they might not have gotten into it in the first place and then, and then they're in and they go, okay, I'm already here. We might as well hang in there with it. Yeah. Um, and so whatever it takes, and I can't wait till we start having these, you know, uh, pizza expos and, and the, the pizza shows again, where everyone can gather because that's where, where folks like you, can connect with the bigger community and share war stories, so to speak, and, and again, help each other get better and better. And that's well, one thing that I really look forward to. I've never been to an expo or any conventions or anything like that. Hopefully, so really uh, the next one's scheduled for June. Hopefully, things will be open enough for us to make it happen. So Fingers before we run out of time, though, we got to get you to make us a pizza. Yeah, no, not a problem. Show us no what you can do with these with these little rockets. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and. Get that dough out. So I use a blend of flowers for my uh, Neapolitan style pizza. Um, again, I'm really new with Neapolitan style. I've only been doing it for a little over a year. So I'm constantly tweaking and, and learning about it. Um, my favorite style pizza to make is New York style. And I actually grew up or was born and raised in the South Bronx in New York City. And, uh, I mean, some will say that that's the, the next Mecca, you know, New York City is the next second Mecca to Italy, of course, and having been to both places, you know, I've been able to taste excellent pizza, but Neapolitan style definitely is uh, one of the newer ones, but New York style is definitely one of my favorite ones to make. Well, we all, you know, before we had this term New York style, uh, New York pizza, we always referred to their pizzas as Neapolitan. And then, and then, then we started to like differentiate and say, no, no, it's, if it's not made in the Naples style, then it's not really Neapolitan. So uh, yeah. it really all kind of emerges from that Neapolitan origin. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, Neapolitan is considered to be one of the oldest styles of pizza. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I want to say New York style kind of 
uh, is a, a variation of Neapolitan. Well, you could consider them like cousins, if you want to say. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really just uh, you know how pizza translated when it came over from from Naples and from Italy uh, to to New York and New Haven, and we're using our flour and our heating sources. Look how quickly that dough spin out for you. That's nice. So how 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 heavy is your dough ball? So mine's two seventy five. Um, this one's been fermented so about, for about 10 ounces, approximately 10 ounces of dough. Yeah, two, 275, close to 10 ounces. Um, I, I use a blend of flowers for it. Um, the hydration of this one's actually 70, but I'm using a, a stronger bread, or not bread flour, stronger flour, um, the Staccioni, and uh, I blend that, and uh, what's the other one? Oh my goodness. Molino Pazzini. Um, blend those both. You mentioned Caputo flour, but you're not using Caputo flour, you're using Stagioni flour? Yeah, so the, the Caputo flour that I was talking about was the semolina, just a stretch. Oh, just the semolina, okay. Yeah, okay. Yep. So, and okay. then, yeah, so the tomatoes I use are the uh, organic California grown, Bianco de Napoli's. I think they're incredible tomatoes. Yeah, we um, love those. Yeah, so, so uh, I actually got connected with a gentleman here in Buffalo, New York, who runs Jay's Artisan Pizzeria. Um, he, he's probably got the best Neapolitan in Western New York. And I uh, got connected with him and him and I became friends and he's kind of helped me navigate through this community and connected me with the right people to get quality ingredients. The Bianco de Napoli tomatoes are one of the things uh, that I was able to connect with him over and be able to get, because uh, it's not really, a popular canned tomato used in, in Western New York. You see a lot of uh, Alta Cucina, um, you see, uh, what is it, La Bella San Marzano, and yeah. I like those, those are all good, but for me, this organic California grown tomato is delicious on a pizza, just plain by itself. Well, it's two different sauces there that you've got, or? Uh, yeah, so, okay. so right now I'm doing, a, I'm gonna do a marinara pizza, and then what I call the New York pizza. So my marinara is just tomatoes crushed, and then my New Yorker style pizza, it's got a little bit of garlic in there, olive oil, sea salt, and then um, obviously the crushed tomatoes. So just keeping it simple. Um, but yeah, my New Yorker, and it's probably, these are probably like the two most popular pizzas that I make. And um, the New Yorker is actually just a, 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 a low moisture mozzarella and a blend of fresh mozzarella. I do uh, Izo. Uh, sausage company pepperoni on it, uh -huh. and um, I finish it with ricotta and Mike's hot honey. And <laughs> at first, at first, everyone who was ordering this pizza, I would make it for myself at home, and they would see it on Instagram, and they pick up a picture and they say, "I want this pizza." So it became like a secret menu type of thing. Yeah. And then from there, it wasn't so secret anymore because everyone was asking for it. So well, once I, everyone's asking for it, I added it to the menu permanently, and now it's part of my New Yorker pizza. I saw a big thumbs up on your Instagram from Mike, from Mike's Hot Honey, so I figured you got to be putting some of that on there. Uh, everybody's using that hot honey, but it has become, uh, it, it is tipped over big time, I'd say. I never had it on a pizza until December of last year. I did a, a pizza tour with a few of my friends, um, and we did a pizza tour in, in New York City. Yeah. And I believe it was Pauly G's. That's, uh, where, shop. that's, that's, that's where, where Mike's Top Honey, you know, got its launch. Yeah, so it was at uh, Pauly G's in Brooklyn. And we, 
none of us had honey on pizza before. And we saw that, we loved it, and uh, I figured, you know what, I gotta figure out a way to bring this back to uh, Western New York at least. Right. And it's kind of a revelation, isn't it? When you take when you taste honey on pizza and you go, What how did it take me so long to find that? The uh, hot honey? Yeah, any kind of honey. It, it really. just wasn't something that was being done in any pizzerias here in Western New York. Yeah. And now so you only really saw it in, in New York City and things like that. And I had been on social media for a while and I just never wanted to try it because I didn't believe in adding something sweet to the top of the pizza. Yeah. Boy was I foolish. Yeah, well, we all learn, and that uh, yeah. you know, and Mike, and Mike was in the right place at the right time, and he, uh, you know, and now it's a na it's a national, maybe international brand. Yeah, definitely. So I'm just gonna launch this one in here. All right. So that's the New Yorker going in. Yep. And then, the New Yorker uh, is essentially a a a, 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 pe a pepperoni pizza with some with some uh, garlic and uh. And, and olive oil, anything, and, and was there something else that I missed? Some herbs? Yeah, so it's it's your that New Yorker style sauce that I was talking about That's that has the sauce, garlic yeah. and the yeah. oregano and all that stuff blended in it. Essentially, a marinara sauce. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it's finished with uh, hot honey and ricotta. Hot, that comes on afterwards. Okay, so we're going to get some additional cheese, and then you've got your marinara pizza, which is just real basic, so no cheese, sauce, and basil only. Yeah, yep, sauce, basil, heavy olive oil. Just going to give this another couple seconds. You find that with these ovens that you have to uh, rotate the pieces? Yeah, you definitely have to. Um, the, the, like I said, it's, it's big enough to, to make about a 12-inch pizza, but the backside of that pizza is very close to that flame in the back of the oven. Right. So, as you can see, I've just yeah. got to spin this one around. You get a lot more puff in the back, and now you've got to even it This is such a fascinating concept. I mean, you've taken, you know, like a, like a pizzeria with individual ovens, uh, taken it on the road, you know, put it on wheels, and uh, and crank out one pizza per oven, uh, but you got four ovens, so you can keep doing them, and you keep rotating them in and out. Yeah. So usually at the pop-ups, uh, some of our busier ones, we'll do anywhere from like 130 to 160 or 75 pizzas during the busiest ones, and that's in a, a three or four-hour window typically. So we crank them out. That is incredible. So that. That would be, let's say if you did 160, that would be 40 rotations. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, at the end of that day, that's about gone. How big is your crew? Pardon me? How big is your crew? So my crew consists of close friends and family right now. Yeah. Um, I, have, I have probably a total of eight different people that help me out, uh, give or take, throughout the uh, events throughout the weekend. And, um, yeah, it's, it seems like uh, as I got busier, of course, I need more staff. So next year I'm actually going to hire um, people to, to be a couple full-time employees as well as a handful of part-time employees. But really this year I, I technically didn't really have staff, and it was just close friends and family. And, and, and everybody worked really, really hard. Wow, those are beautiful pizzas. 
So yeah, you're gonna, so finish, I, you're gonna finish them off. I like to uh, add a little coarse sea salt at the end for my marinara. Uh -huh. And then I give another heavy drizzle of olive oil because that makes a marinara makes beautiful. <laughs> and then yeah. I like to add a little olive oil around the crust of every other pizza that I make. Uh -huh. And I do some salt, some coarse black pepper, use Sicilian oregano, and then freshly grated Parmigiano Reggiano. Mm. There. This is a good ricotta. You said it gets ricotta too then, huh? Yeah, so I like to, to pipe the ricotta on there after the pizza's done. Just because when you pipe it on before and you start cutting it, all the ricotta splatters on there. So I like it to make it look pretty at the end. And I That's fill nice. the roni cups. And I learned this trick from one of my friends, Felix Leader, uh, <laughs> who runs a little mobile pizzeria in New York City also. That's a nice touch, really sweet, yeah. Just it makes just it look a lot cleaner. Is it straight ricotta or do you whip it with a little cream or what? Nope, just straight ricotta. And then we bless it with good old Mike's hot honey. <laughs> and the whole thing just pops. Exactly. Wow. That's a gorgeous pizza. I can see why it's so popular. It's beautiful. Thank you. Appreciate and, it. And, and, and you could you could almost taste it. You can taste the flavors exploding. <laughs> yes, I appreciate it. So yeah, no, uh, this this style of pizza, like I said, it didn't always have the ricotta and honey on it. It's just I did it for myself at home and it just gained traction from social media. And um, it was a secret menu item and eventually not so secret anymore. Now it's become a signature pie for you, which is fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's been a lot of fun thus far, just learning throughout the entire process and what customers like and offering different specials. So for me, like whenever I do an event, I set up a menu of like three or four pizzas, kind of keep three of them somewhat similar, you know, margarita marinara and a New Yorker, and then I'll throw in like a specialty pizza that I'll do something different, like a white veggie or something along the lines of that, uh, or something unique. Um, but yeah, that's usually what it is, a menu of four pizzas for most of our pop-ups. So. How do you and get your gigs? You, you, just, you just decide that you're going to do a pop-up at a particular place, you have spots in mind and you let the word get out through social media, or do you have... Uh, catering gigs where people call you and ask you to come and do a party? So both. I, I've done private parties, weddings, things like that. Um, but my, my biggest thing this year was just getting my name and my brand out there. So it's really just focusing up and par partnering up with some of the most popular breweries in my county and surrounding areas. And um, I, I just cold sales, really just reaching out to these venues when I first started out saying, hey, here's my concept. would love to come down. And the pandemic's been a blessing and a curse. Um, blessing in the sense that all the stipulations for at least New York State and our county um, that were handed down by Governor Cuomo, it really helped mobile businesses thrive because they were asking for outdoor seating only, you know, uh, they had to offer food for their guests or their customers and a culmination of that and the beautiful weather. And I think on, I can count on one hand for the entire summer that there was rain, but it didn't affect us because it was either before our event started or after our yeah. event started. So really we were unaffected by that. So really it was just getting my name and brand out there, partnering up with those breweries, cideries, wineries. And then once it gained traction and got excitement, um, it just kind of took off from there. Are you, uh, now, right now you're uh, facing a snowstorm. It's supposed to come in any, any minute now in Rochester. <laughs> Do you have a yeah. gig lined up for today? Are you supposed to be doing a job somewhere? 
So I decided to just kind of take a backseat, just given the nature of the pandemic right now, especially in New York itself, it's just continuing to rise and especially our county too, the infection rates continue to rise. So I decided for the safety of my friends and family that are helping out, obviously trying to do my part um, to, to try and, and, and correct, you know, or not correct, but help the situation. I decided not to do any outdoor events or any public pop-ups and just focusing on teaching pizza making classes. So I've been oh, doing okay. virtual pizza making classes. And then I've also been doing pizza kits for people to prepare pizza at home. Nice. So that, that's been going really, really well for me. The classes, uh, they sell out, they've sold out the first couple that I've done. And I partnered with a local business here in, in Rochester, New York, that helps promote it. And they're kind of the facilitator of the class and I'm just the educator. So it's pretty nice. And I, I set up uh, uh, a kit for them to pick up. The kit is includes ingredients, enough ingredients to make two pizzas. We actually make one with a dough that we prepare from scratch that, you know, in a quick hour, quick rise dough. And then I also provide them a pre-made dough that's been well fermented. My uh, biggest thing is showing them the difference in, yeah. in a well fermented yeah. dough and a dough that's been, you know, quick rise with a ton of yeast. Right. And it's, it blows my mind how people are fascinated with just the sheer fact of if you prepare the dough in advance, the quality of the, the dough goes up that much more. And everyone was just mind blown that they're like, how come the dough that was, you know, fermented longer end up looking thicker and bigger? And it's just because it was, you know, better gluten structure developed, well fermented, nice airy puffy crust, whereas the other one was a lot more dense, not too airy or anything like that. So it's neat to make that, you know, at least provide that knowledge to the people who are taking the classes and, and let them understand that you can make excellent restaurant quality pizza at home if you have the right tools and are using the right practices and ingredients. Exactly, and, and this has been a year of educating not only ourselves, but the public, uh, and the interest, of course, in pizza, the, uh, probably of all the, the sectors of the food service side, pizza has navigated and, and uh, handled it you know, probably uh, better than any sector because it's so perfectly set up to be able to be flexible, mobile, and, and get to the people. And yeah. Everybody's expecting a better and better pizza. The, the quality and the, the game, everyone has to raise their game now. And, yeah, uh, no, and I, and I don't know if it's just because obviously the pandemic has, has encouraged a lot more home baking and things like that. So I think that's part of the reason why the pizza industry is thriving. You know, yeah. I, I, I couldn't have pictured my first year to go this way, but I can't complain because we've had a tremendous amount of success our first year. I mean, I doubled my, my annual sales projections for the year, and I really was only in business for about – five complete months. Whereas, you know, had we not had a pandemic, I probably would have been in business for about seven months or eight months instead. But, yeah, um, but yeah everything has, has gone and, and played well in my favor. And I couldn't be more grateful for the success we've had and all the people who've helped me achieve the success I've had this year. So it's, it's all in all, just like a collective effort from friends. Really, uh, yeah, the situation accelerated your learning curve, but but listen, before we run out of time, any pizza, yeah. before the pizza gets cold, can you take a bite out of one of those? We got, we want to see what oh, that liquid in action. I'm so happy you asked. I wish we could be there to bite with you, but you know you're gonna have to be our 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 palate. So, so the beautiful leoparding on the bottom of that crust. Yup. So the deck right around eight fifty. That's the New Yorker. That mm -hmm. that's a heck of a slice. My favorite slice is a marinara. Wherever I go, it's I like to add anchovy to mine. I didn't do that today, but whenever anchovy? I'm making it at home, 
Yeah. Anchovy on top of the marinara is nothing like it. Well, there you go. And, that, and it's funny how, how so many people, with as much as we love our cheese, so many people love the marinara and just want to, the dough with the sauce, you know? Yeah. So I actually sell probably equal marinara's to margarita pizzas at my events. And I was actually blown away because in the beginning of the year, was I sold probably three, four tops during an event. Yeah. yeah. Now probably about... I'd say 20% of my pizzas are marinara pizzas. The other 20 are margarita, and then the remaining are specialty or New Yorker. Anthony Mangieri at uh, Una Pizza Napolitana says the same thing, that, that his, his favorite is the, is the marinara, because you really get to taste the sauce. You get to taste the quality of the sauce. Mm -hmm. I mean, we already know how good the crust is going to be and the dough is going to be, but, that, but not everybody appreciates the sauce when it's covered up with other stuff, and then, and then you, you have a whole new appreciation for what tomatoes can, can do for us. And that was one of the biggest things. When I went to Italy and I was ordering pizza over there, it was so simple. The pizzas on the menu were so simple. It consisted of, you know, a handful of ingredients. Focus on the high quality because when you put too much on there, it takes away from all right. the other things that are on there. So, but yeah, that was one of the biggest things I learned, which is the simpler you keep it, the better. That's right. It's uh, sometimes just keeping it simple. And as I say, keep it simple, stupid, you know. Yeah, uh, it really that's is. really what it's all about. But then when you've got great ingredients and you've got, uh, you know, the, the quality of, you know, especially with a great crust, uh, you can't go wrong. And so, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Luis, thank you so much for, for giving us this tour of your of Peels on Wheels, this amazing operation that you've created. Beautiful pizzas. Uh, and uh, those of you who are watching, check them out on Instagram, write to them. Um, and if you're in the Rochester area, uh, get on his man. You got a mailing list or some kind of a. Uh, so we haven't started that yet, but we will be uh, doing a mailing list. Via well, how do people find you for the pop-ups? How do they find Pardon you? For the how do they find you for the pop-ups? So we we announce them. So we'll put them on our website. Um, but we usually announce them. Not usually. We always announce them via Instagram and Facebook, and then from there we'll post it on our website, kind of all at the same simultaneously. Um, and that's where we'll tell them, you know, Friday this date we'll be at this venue serving from this time to this time. Well, again, thank you so much, Luis. Uh, we're we're uh, going to run out of time here, but I want to uh, invite all of our viewers to come back. Uh, we're going to have more postings on Pizza Talk. We're with Luis Perez, Peels on Wheels, Rochester, New York. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate the opportunity. It was a pleasure to virtually meet all you guys and Hopefully someday we'll be able to meet in person and hopefully I can make you some pizza. I can't wait to do some pizza with you. Take All care. All right. Take care, Peter. Thanks, Good luck guys. in the snowstorm today. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers right. crossed. Take care. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, Subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like 
tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.